Welcome to an inspirational message recorded live at Little Falls Christian Center. Heavenly Father, the entrance of your word, it brings light. And it gives us understanding, those of us who are simple, always ready to learn that which you want to impart unto us. As this beautiful song, we just echo these words, we have found where we belong. In your house is where we want to be. Father, let the sword of the Spirit minister unto us and may the name of our Lord Jesus Christ be lifted up. By the power of your Holy Spirit, manifest yourself, move in the hearts and touch each and every single one of us. Father, because to you belongs all the grace, all the mercy, but you receive the honor as well in this day. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ and all of us agree and we say, Amen, Amen. Thank you very much, Ben. Good morning to all of you beautiful people. And that includes all those who are online as well. We greet our family who's online. You know, when the band did this thing this morning, Pastor Harold, I couldn't help but thinking, because you're always in the Word in Numbers. Today's the 14th of the 8th. Double seven. Eight new beginnings. When you add 14 and 8 together, it's 22. And we are in the year 22. The number of letters in the Hebrew alphabet, God's Word. It's a day that you will remember, I'm sure, for the rest of your life. God is in everything if you are in God. If you look at the sermon title this morning, <clears throat> pardon me, it's a harsh statement. You do not know the Scriptures. You do not know the Word of God. It's a beautiful graphic of Jerusalem as well, my favorite place on the earth. If you can send me to holiday, I will choose Israel any given time of the day. And I'll speak about it a bit later on. We do not know the scriptures. This is what God's saying here. You know, the disciples for three plus years spent time with our Lord Jesus. They hardly knew him. That even towards the end of their time, would they only say, Peter would say, but you are the Son of God. Only towards the end. Three years they spent with Him. They hardly knew Him. Even after He got saved and after our Lord Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, Peter still made the mistake of siding with his Jewish friends at the expense of the Gentiles. And it took Paul to rebuke him because of that. Because he didn't know the scriptures the way that he was supposed to do. And it begs the question to all of us today. Do we know God's word? Do we really know God's word? If we look at the state of the church worldwide. And we have to ask this question. I think it will be a sad way to answer it. Unless we change. Unless we change the church of our Lord Jesus Christ is going to suffer and continue to suffer. And I'll prove it this morning as well. This is why this speaks to all of us. You can go to the Word of God in the book of Matthew chapter 22. We're going to read from there a few verses. They're from 23 onwards, 23 to verse 33. And whilst you're getting there, what has happened here, this is the situation where our Lord Jesus Christ was confronted by the Sadducees and they challenged Him with a question. They came to him with the obvious plan to test him and to trap him. 
and asking him about the resurrection. And they used an example, which we all know by now, that of the wife who was married and the husband died, and then she married the seven brothers. And at the end, when they all died, the question was asked, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? And it's interesting how the Sadducees, how they place this particular question. And just for those who don't know, the Sadducees was a different sect of the Judaism. We had the Pharisees, you had the Sadducees, and there was another two or three other sects as well. But the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. They did not believe in angels. They did not believe in spirits. They did not believe in life after death. So they come knowing that they don't believe in the resurrection, and they ask our Lord Jesus Christ, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? You see, the Sadducees only believed in the five books of Moses, which we call the Pentateuch, or the Torah. They only believed in that. And let's go then to verse 29, and we see what our Jesus Christ, our Lord, how he responds to that. Matthew 22, verse 29, this is the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. He answered them after they asked these questions, and he said, and I'm reading from the King James Version. It says, the, you do err. In other words, you are mistaken. Not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. Verse 30. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. Verse 31, but as touching the resurrection of the dead, have ye not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, verse 32, this is God saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished with this doctrine. I think our Lord Jesus Christ astonished every person the moment that he spoke. And yet it says they were astonished. Our Lord Jesus rebukes these Sadducees. Because firstly, how dare they challenge the Word of God? Because He is the Word of God. And they only were concerned about the five books of Moses. And our Lord Jesus Christ answers them through those five books. And He quotes them here, Exodus 3, verse 6, as well as verse 15. He says this, The burning bush experience of Moses, when God appeared to him, He said to him, I am the God of your father Abraham and of Isaac, and of Jacob. God doesn't say, yeah, I was. He says, I am, which means it's eternal. It is life. Our Lord Jesus silences the Sadducees by their own temptation and by their own belief in their word, in the words that they believe in the Scriptures, and He proved how erroneous their teaching is, how little they knew about the Word of God. I looked at the Greek, just of verse 29, the key uh, words in that verse. I want to read to you the Greek translation of verse 29, how our Lord Jesus replied, because I do believe the Greek is even more profound than the English translation here. This is what our Lord Jesus actually says in verse 29, and you can go over it as we read it, and I'll read you the Greek. It says here, when he addressed these Sadducees, he says, you are deceived and seduced. For you do not perceive or understand that which is written and graved. God's word is graved. And then he says, you are not even aware of the miracle working power of God. This is what our Lord Jesus 
what he rebukes these Sadducees with. Because he, God says here, he is the God of the living. What was our Lord Jesus Christ really saying to these people, to the Sadducees? He was saying, you don't know me. You don't know me. Because I and the Father are one. I've come to do the will of my Father. You don't know the Father and you don't know me. If I would ask you today, do you know your God? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? How would be your answer? And if the answer is in the affirmative, my question would be, where's the evidence? Where is the proof that you know God? Where is that proof? Kenneth Birding, a New Testament professor, said these words. Christians used to be known as people of one book. They memorized it, they meditated on it, they talked about it, and they taught it to others. We don't do that anymore. And in a very real sense, we are starving ourselves to death. We don't teach this word anymore the way we're supposed to. I'm talking about the body of Christ by and large. We don't know this word and the things that are, that are in this because we do not spend time in it. I always like to back up statements by facts. Two years ago, no, about four years ago, studies were done that revealed within the Protestant denomination. Now, the Protestant is a massive denomination worldwide. It includes the, uh, the, the evangelicals like ourselves, the Pentecostals. It includes the, the Anglicans, the Methodists, the Baptists. It was found that more than 90% of pastors do not have a biblical qualification. They were not biblically trained. They've got no biblical training as a background. That equates to more than 2 million leaders in the body of Christ. More than 2 million leaders. More than 1,000 churches are planted per year, but there are more churches closing down than there are churches that are, that are raising up. What are we teaching to the world out there, which is the body of Christ? Ten years ago, they made this, this, this find. 80% of the churches worldwide had no discipleship program. So we do not teach the people how to go out, how to equip them, how to train them, how to go out and be a disciple, to do the Great Commission. That is found within the church circles, the place that you and I live in, that we are connected to, the things that we are associated with. This is what's happening in the body of Christ, dear friends. It pained me when I read the scripture. It's a well-known scripture. I mean, all know it. Hosea 4 verses 6 where it says, my people perish because of a lack of knowledge. I don't want to read that scripture because it hurts reading that. And God qualifies why his people are perishing. He says they are being destroyed because they have rejected knowledge. And then in the book of Isaiah 5.13, God says, therefore my people have gone into captivity because they have rejected knowledge. You know, when I look at our church, I've never seen this church as the average church. And I don't mean this boastfully. The first time that I set foot here 20 years ago, 
I just realized there's something different. I've never heard the kind of teaching that we receive here. The power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the truth concerning God's Word. We've never been a church who preach being pacifying you. We've never been a church who are dancing around sin. We don't tolerate sin. We, do, we address it straight on. We've never been a church who did not address incorrect doctrinal teaching. I've always believed, and once again, I say this with humility, because I've listened to other preachers and churches, and I know people in different congregations. I believe the teaching we get here is higher grade stuff. And you never need to fear to think that you're not going to understand what is being preached because God's Holy Spirit brings the revelation when God's Word is opened up. If we trust in God's Holy Spirit, we've got no reason to doubt that you walk away and you walk out of the service today and it wasn't for you. You can never walk out of a service and say, I didn't get anything. Then you've got to check your heart because God's Holy Spirit is the one. He authored this. It was inspired by Him and He brings the interpretation of this. So therefore, we need to get to know who God's Holy Spirit is. Another scripture that comes to mind here, Deuteronomy 8 verse 3, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know, when we spend time in the word of God, we always attempt and aim at and try to give you the best because we know we want to give you more. We know that you want more. And God's word always has got so much more for us. So let's go back to that same scripture and I'll point out to you that there's more in the scripture than just what we've read. If you take this whole chapter, Matthew 22, and you look at this whole chapter and you see it starts with our Lord Jesus Christ. He invites everyone to come to the wedding. And he's obviously referring to the end time, but he's, he's making specific reference to his own people, the Jews. He says, come, but they've rejected him. And now he says, I'm sending out my servants. Go to the highways and bring them in. And he says, essentially, he was telling them all, you have rejected me. My chosen people have rejected me. And therefore, I'm going towards the Gentiles. And when he spoke this, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Sadducees hated him for that. And they set out a plan that they wanted to tempt our Lord Jesus to find anything that he could say that was wrong so that they could find a way to imprison him and then to kill him. Essentially, they wanted to kill him. And that's where we get to verse 15. And verse 15, now we have the Pharisees. They themselves now decide we're going to go for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're sending our own disciples and we send the Herodians. The Herodians are the people who were serving and they were... Um, uh, uh, supporters of the Roman Empire. So they all went to Jesus and they tempted him about money. Should we give unto Caesar? And Jesus replies and he says, give unto Caesar what is due to him and give unto God what is due to him. So the, Phar the, the Pharisees are silenced for the moment. And it says then the same as we go on, it says, on that same day, the Sadducees then came to Jesus and they tempted him here with the resurrection question and he silenced them with the word of God. And then after that, the Pharisees comes to him again, but this time they send a lawyer. If you're a lawyer, we love you and we appreciate you. <laughs> but the Pharisees thought they're getting smart now. They sent a lawyer, a scribe, and he asked our Lord Jesus, what is the greatest commandment out there? A trick question. 
And I love the way that our Lord replies. And he didn't give him one answer. He says, there are two lords that are combined as one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Within this, our Lord silenced all the Pharisees, because what was, he was, what was he saying? He took the Ten Commandments and he said, the first four of the Ten Commandments is all about God. I'm the Lord your God who took you out of Egypt. You shall not have any other gods. He said that you shall, be, you shall worship God. You shall love Him. And then the remaining six commandments is about man. We shall not murder. We shall not steal. Thou shalt not covet. He took these two and he says, and he puts it in the central word, and he says, you shall love. You shall love God. You shall love man. Love silenced every single attempt of the enemy to come at us. And our Lord Jesus took this. And you must understand how how slick Satan works with this because the same three temptations he brought to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And he took those same three means, the same modus operandi, and he did that without Jesus when he tempted him in the desert. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And in these three portions, he does exactly the same. The lust of the eye. What is the lust of the eye? It's money. We want money. We want more money because the Pharisees makes it about money. They don't want to give to God. They want to keep the money. The second thing, the lust of the, the flesh. Yeah, the Sadducees, and well, we, we, we're not spiritual. We want to marry. We want to continue marrying. It's all about the flesh. How can we satisfy the flesh? And the last, when the Pharisee, when the, when the scribe came to him, and the lawyer, and asked him about the commandments, this was the pride of life because the Pharisees and the Sadducees saw themselves superior as those who had wisdom, preaching the gospel, supposedly, teaching the people what is in the Word of God. Satan's attempts are never, are never a surprise to Jesus. And every single time, every single time that our Lord Jesus, when He was tempted, He only replied one way, only one way. He spoke the Word, because He is the Word. They didn't know it because they did not know Him. In this church, we have always been very focused and serious about educating our people. We love you so much for that. We've never been shy about that. We've always been that. That's why we have, for instance, the equipping weekends, where you come for free to be equipped in the Word of God. You only have to pitch up. This coming weekend, Friday and Saturday, we have the e-weekends. We present it to you so that you can be equipped and trained in God's Word. We have the home cell lives. So that there you can be with a group and, and, and within a community and learn and encourage one another. And we have the Bible school, which you all must know by now. I mean, you've received probably this brochure by the door. And if you haven't, I would ask that you please collect one at the information desk. Because there's so much work that's been done in this church to give the best for you. It is our primary focus is you. We want to give you the best. Why would we want to do that? Because right here sits the future of this nation. Right here sits the next church leaders. Here sits the history makers. Here sits the evangelists. Those who must go and make a difference in the world. And if full-time ministry is not for you, that's fine. We never speak only about full-time ministry. Let's be realistic. Just because we all went to school didn't mean we all want to become teachers. 
Just because you visit the doctor and you don't feel well doesn't mean you want to become a doctor. The same thing is when you equip yourself in the Word of God, you're not necessarily going to become full-time in the ministry. But I say everybody is called in the full-time. Wherever your job is, wherever God has placed you, you are called there to be the light full-time, to reveal Christ full-time there where you are. We have gone through great lengths in the, especially since COVID, after COVID has passed and the lockdown has passed, we've gone through great strength and time and ability to give you the best that we can do. We, we really looked at the whole model of how can we best present to you the means of how to train up and educate yourself. And if I just speak about the Bible college for a short while, I want to say this. We have looked at everything. We've looked at the quality of the material. We've looked at things like Time management, how can we best present time for you? We looked at the costing model that will suit you best. We looked at making communication and administration as seamless as possible. And if we just look at the time aspect, because it's the, it's the, the discussion that often comes up, I just don't have the time, I wish I had the time. Listen to me, time is the trading commodity of this world today. Everybody wants your time. This world is going for your time and they find many ways how to occupy your time. You have to take ownership of your time. How do you take ownership of your time? You do it in the exact way as you give your tithing. You give your time unto God. Surrender your time unto to God. He makes the sun stand still. He makes time see so that you can have the best of the day. When you place God at the top of your time, everything else is going to work out. I want to give you a simple example because I, I like simplifying things. It must make sense to me in a simple fashion. If we say, we look at the Bible school starting next year, one night only, a Wednesday night, two hours that's two hours in a day. If you sleep six hours, you're awake then for 18 hours. If we just look at a five-day working week, I'm excluding weekends, because let's say you wanna take off in those weekends. If you just work at those five days and you're awake 18 hours, that's 90 hours that you're awake in the week. Two hours out of 90 hours is what we say you can offer to God. You know what that equates to? 2%. 2% of your time that you can give unto God. It will change the rest of your life. If you put that 2% at the top, time will stand still and you will be able to do more than usual. 2%, 2% of your time is all that you can, is, is all that God asks that you devote into the Bible school and you will be changed forever. That is the power of what is available to us. Many struggle with time. I know, but unless you surrender your time to God, Nothing is going to change. God says in His Word, in Isaiah 55, verse 10, He says, My Word shall not return to me void. It shall accomplish what I please and prosper in the thing for which it is sent. God wants to prosper you in the words that He is sending towards you. That's His desire. Isaiah 54, verse, I think verse 13, yes, 11, 13, it says this, all your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children and in righteousness you will be established. But all your children shall be taught. You are the children of this congregation. It is our desire that you are being taught. This is what we do here, for instance, on a, on a Sunday. But 30 minutes on a Sunday is never enough for you. You can't build this week on these 30 minutes. The time that you spend in God's Word cannot be the 30 minutes here. This is just the foundation that we lay here for you. God says also, 
Romans 10 verses 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You only hear from God when you read the Word of God. You want to hear what God says? You find Him here. Nowhere else, you find Him here. Because God speaks through His Word and we communicate to Him by His Word. That is even how the ministering spirits, the angels operate. They recognize God's word. When you speak, when you pray, when you declare, when you decree God's word, they have got no option but to respond because they know the word, because they know the creator of that word. That is the power of God's word. That is the power that is available to us. Let's go back to the scripture again because now our Lord points a very powerful example or a powerful thing that is needed for every believer. And this is why most people miss it. He goes there and he says in verse 29, he says, oh, let me just read it anyway for you. You are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures. And then there's something, and I'll give you a hint. Romans 1 verses 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe, for the Jew first and for the Gentile. I'll give you another hint. 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is foolishness for those who are perishing, but it is the power of God unto salvation. And if you really don't get it, I'll give you another scripture, just to make sure that you get it. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 20 says this, the kingdom of God is not in words, but in power. Jesus here says, you do not know me. You do not know the scriptures. Therefore, there is no power. You do not have the power. Without the power, there is nothing. We are the only faith, Christians. We are the only faith who receives power from God. No other faith can claim that. We are the only ones who get power. That is dunamis. That means it's miracle working power. And I come back to the question that I've asked you first. If you say that I know the scriptures, that I know my God, where is the evidence? Because there has to be the manifestation of power in your life. That is the proof that you know the scriptures. If there's no power in your life, I'm telling you, you don't know the scriptures. If there's no power in our life, there is no knowing God the way that we ought to know. That is why we need to study the Word of God. Reciting it and just remembering it and just quoting it does not cut it. But the power of God is available to all of us. Why? So that you can have that power. God gave it to all of us. The Son of, of, of God, Jesus Christ, is the power above all. He's the name by which we silence the enemy. That power is available to us. You have the power to overcome situations. You have the power to receive and expect the breakthrough to come to your life because of what God says in His Word. How well do you know the author of this book? Because he says, if I know him, I have the power, the greatest power that is displayed in the book. It has got the power to save people, the power of salvation. That is what is available to us. That is what the church is missing worldwide. Go to any church. If there's no power, I tell you it's because they don't know God. It's because the Holy Spirit is not present there. If the Holy Spirit is not present in your life, it's because you do not know the Scriptures. It's hard words, but it's the truth. I cannot get away from it. 
31 December, I want to take you back to the New Year's message that Pastor Harold gave in 31 December this year. Can anybody tell me what was said, what is the theme this year of this church? I'll give you a hint. I like helping. It's the year of the word. This banner outside, what does it show? A dilapidated Bible. And it says, you know what it says. It says, a Bible that is falling apart speaks of a person who is not. I want to ask that they put on one picture, the one that I've asked them to. You can just put that picture on for a moment. This is where things changed for me. A key point in my life. It's not a significant picture for you. It is called the Church of Annunciation in, the, in Nazareth. I went to Israel in 2005, my first time. My wife and I were the church with Pastor Harold. And there at the back of the church, we had a lot of people, uh, and I want to say young people because we're still young, but we started talking and we became friends. And I noticed one thing. The, the, the central theme that whole two weeks that we were in Israel was this. These people would get on the bus and they would talk about, wow, so this is what the Bible means. Oh, this is what they talk about in the Bible school. Oh, this is what Pastor meant when he said this. And the more I listened to this, the more I realized I do have no idea what they're talking about. We got off the bus there in Nazareth. And Pastor Harold was in a bus and he said, this is the Church of Annunciation. I had to ask, what does this mean? What is the Church of Annunciation? I didn't know what it was. It is the place They've built this church on the rock where they believe, where the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, telling her, announcing unto her that she will have a son and he will be the savior of this world. I realized when I got back, I needed to change. I didn't know the word of God. The following year, we enrolled in a Bible school and the rest is history. The Bible had become a picture to me since I've been in Israel it's visual to me. That is the power of God's word. I want to say this to you, and I'm heading here for a close because I'm conscious of the time here. There are people who sacrificed greatly for us to get this. William Tyndale was burned on the stake because he refused to budge on what he believed in. John Wycliffe spent the rest of his life translating this into English so that we would have this. William J. Seymour... I'll tell you just now who he is. When he went to his, one of his sermons in his church, this new congregation that he was giving, he was talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and of tongues. The next time he went to the church, he found that they'd locked him outside with a padlock. They didn't like his teaching and his preaching. He was so devastated. He didn't know what to do because he knew the call of God was upon him. He went to a house and he started a prayer meeting there. In that same prayer meeting, the power of God came so powerful in that prayer meeting that a woman who later would become his wife, she received the gift of playing piano. Never had any training. And until the day that she died, she was able to play the piano. And she played it for God. That same house got burned down at one stage. And by that, God moved him to Los Angeles. And there he arrived in a street called Azusa. William J. Seymour. Three prayer meetings a day for seven years. The power of God was so powerful that they say the people saw physically the limbs of people extending. 
They saw people falling on the ground without hands being laid off them because of the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon them. The people would walk in the streets and they would phone the fire brigades because they're saying the building is on fire and the fire brigades would arrive there and there's nothing that they could see. It was the fire of God that was at the top of that, of that particular building. Many people walked down the street and suddenly they got convicted of sin and of righteousness and of judgment and they got saved. Nobody ministered unto them. It was the power of God's Holy Spirit. When you know God's Word, that power is available and it will change the world forever. No one can come against us because of the power that we have in Christ. And I close off with this. Our God so elevated the Word that He says in Psalm 138 verse two, I magnify my Word above my name. Comprehend this for a moment. The all-consuming, holy, almighty, self-existent, uncreated God says, I will elevate my word above my name. This is what we have available for us. We have no reason to study the Word of God. We've got everything available to us. When you walk out here today, you have to ask yourself this question. Do I know the God of this Word? We've given you many reasons and many ways to join up and we will bless you with the training and the education through the many, the many means that we present in this church. But I never want any one of you to stand in that day where God says to us, you did not know me. Amen. Let's stand and give the Lord a praise offering. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. I know it's not a feel-good message. We don't do feel-good here. If we're not challenged by God's Word, we will never grow. We will never increase in that anointing for our lives. Just so that you may know, the pastors and their wives will stand here in front after this service. So anybody who's got a prayer need, please do not leave without you being prayed for. We invite you to come so that we will pray for you. This is a praying church. Amen. Let's close our eyes. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. It's everlasting. It is everlasting. How wonderful it is, Father, to know that we are anchored in Christ, the rock of our foundation, the Word who is alive and who became flesh. May this resonate with us and be the implanted Word for the rest of our lives. Bless Your people, Father, as we go our separate ways until we meet again. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore for eternity. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask this, and all of us agree and we say, Amen. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.